Hey everyone, Andrew here. We recorded this podcast before news of both Kyle Higashioka getting more playing time and more notably the Mike Talkman trade, so he won't be discussed. And I did quickly want to say that him coming out of nowhere in 2019 when the Yankees were beset by injuries and coming up with a huge season won't be soon forgotten, but it's a move that makes sense since he wasn't really finding much playing time as an outfielder in 2021, and he didn't really do much last year either, but perhaps he'll find uh, some of the old magic in a starting role in San Francisco. So, best of luck, Sockman. On with the show. of the Pinstripe Valley Podcast. I'm Andrew Burns, joined by Kunj. How are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's The short version is that it's really frustrating because after the past weekend, we had been looking forward to, oh, maybe we'll have, we'll have a slightly upbeat episode because the Yankees took three out of four in Cleveland. They lost the last game, but it happens. And then came um, Monday night's clunker against the Orioles, which really brought things back to earth. And now things are just bad again. <laughs> like it didn't even bring things back to earth. It brought things back in time to 2013 when Matt Harvey was good. And all of a sudden that <laughs> happened again. So I don't know what's going on. The, 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 the rules of science and logic are just being defied all over the place. But at least we get to watch the 2013 Yankees again. Huzzah. Oh, yeah. I had so much fun podcasting about them the last time that I did. Right. Apparently, Matt Harvey is uh, at least good against the Yankees. Don't know about anybody else, but... Yeah, uh, well, his numbers weren't that good going into the start. And I think I'd seen that he hadn't finished five innings in a start until then. So that's great. Yeah, I mean... It's always good that he has like the good old Yankees to rely upon for that, you know, to get him out of his slump. Mm-hmm. We were hoping that the Yankees would go to Baltimore and, you know, break out of their nonsense, but it happened to be the other way around. I guess we could throw him a bone. Mm, yay. I guess we, we should talk about the good somewhat, though, because, again, those first three games in Cleveland were legitimately great games. They came back from 3 nothing deficit twice. In the third win, they didn't need to because Garrett Cole was Garrett Cole. And he outpitched Shane Bieber. That was a lot of fun, just not only because it brought back memories of that uh, wild card game from 2020. So that was great. And that was very encouraging to see them, you know, actually square up pitches, hit home runs, and take care of business. Yeah. I mean, that game was actually what that wild card game should have been, except the Yankees that were beating around Shane Bieber in the postseason last year. So it was actually cool to see like what's been hyped up as like a real pitching duel actually come to fruition. Yeah. So even in that game when they're only scoring two runs, that's fine because you're going up against Shane Bieber. If you get two runs off of him, you come out with the win. Garrett Cole goes seven strong, give, uh, just allows a run. You're very happy with those results. Exactly. And, and uh, I will say, though, I did enjoy the strategy of letting the other team go up 3 nothing and then coming back to win. I think on non-Garrett Cole days, that should be their strategy. <laughs> and I think that's why the other the last two games they lost. Well, yeah, especially because, well, on Sunday, they did the sin. They went up 3 nothing, and then <laughs> Cleveland came back and won. 
then they got Matt Harvey, apparently. It's funny because being up three nothing is like one of my biggest pet peeves, and for no actual logical reason. But I've been known to be irrational as a sports fan. But there was a time when the New Jersey Devils were good, but every time they felt like they went up three nothing, they'd end up losing that game. So I really hate that score of, be, of my favorite team being up three nothing. <laughs> Going to prove to be true on Sunday. So I'm thinking there's a real pattern here. It's like your own version of um, a Rod saying, "Oh yeah, like even leads are better than odd leads, or whatever exactly." it was yeah i mean we're, we're sports fans we're not supposed to be rational so i'm, I'm fully accepting and aware of that but yeah. at the same time it's 100 percent true never go up three nothing allow at least a run yeah and but both of those wins where they, where they fell behind three nothing got to give uh some kudos to the starting pitching for actually rebounding in that game because both domingo herman and jordan montgomery looked like absolute crap in the first innings of those games and they turned it around to at least put in respectable performances which is good considering all the questions around the starting rotation and it was just a little disappointing to see the opposite problem happen with Jamison Tyone on Sunday, where he looked dominant through the first few innings and then everything fell apart in the fourth. Yeah, Tyone, I think uh, the New York Post had this uh, article yesterday, uh, Ken Davidoff, but Tyone's fourth inning ERA is 19.63. Ooh. It's not what you want. <laughs> it, no, it, it's any time that you have a, that you have an ERA in anything that it could be a year, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, besides that, his in the first inning he has a zero. Uh, second and third inning he's sporting like a four, four and a half ERA, which isn't great, but it's it's manageable. Yeah. Fifth inning, he the in which he reached in two of his outings again zero. It's that fourth inning that's a disaster for him. There are obviously some questions or thoughts about whether it's just like is he getting tired or worked up or anything like that because you know obviously he missed so much time before coming into the season. But Boone and Tyon think it's more just he probably has to make some better adjustments because you know the lineup is turning over. They've seen him and they're just kind of figuring out what he has and what he's going to be doing. So. It might just be, you know, needing some in-game adjustments, working with Matt Blake to figure out what he could be doing, what he could be doing better. Maybe there's something he's giving away or whatever the situation is. But as long as he doesn't feel fatigued or feel like he's tired and it's just like process or results thing, it feels like at least there's something that they can correct. Now, if he was just saying, yeah, my arm's giving up, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Yeah, I think it's probably also just an issue of like regaining that sort of command long-term for starts. Ohio in case facing a hitter like first time through the order, then they make adjustments and then it's on you to make an adjustment as well. His command is probably just not quite to the point where it needs to be for the, the, the middle innings yet. And that's something that the Yankees, I think, knew that they had to be a little bit patient on, both with him and Corey Kluber for that matter, just because they're working back from injury. And uh, so April was going to be a testing ground for that. So obviously it's, it's not great, but it's something that I'll be more worried about if it's still going on toward the end of May, especially since like right now, the Yankees offense is supposed to be papering over problems with the pitching and it's just not. So, yeah, it, again, we talked about this last week and the week before and the week before and all throughout time and eternity, because that's how long the season has felt so far. <laughs> but if the offense was doing better, we wouldn't probably be nitpicking on the pitching as much as you know, we may have been, I don't even know if we've been nitpicking, but I think a lot of it comes down to this team was built around the offense, being able to kind of just make up for potentially not as great pitching. Cause even if Cashman hundred percent knew the risk going into it. So with the offense that he built up, the lineup that he has, he was pretty much probably expecting that the offense would make up for it. And they just haven't been doing that yet. So that's probably what it comes down to get the offense back on track. And then the pitching 
obviously still important. You still don't want them giving up like six, five, six runs a game or whatever, but it becomes less of an issue if at least on the other side of the ball, things are going well. Yeah. And the pitching too, we're recording before the game on Tuesday night, so we won't be able to react to Corey Kluber's start. But obviously, if you could actually, you know, go five innings, that would help too. But again, as you said, the onus is on the hitting to get better. And some of these guys just absolutely lost. And that's just really frustrating to watch. I've been looking at the numbers earlier today. In the past week, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, and Clint Frazier each have just one hit. Mike Ford has two since uh, coming up. Rugnud Odor was pretty good over the weekend, but since the Yankees decided, hey, that looked great, let's make him the cleanup hitter. He's over seven as cleanup hitter, so maybe let's not do that anymore. And they're not very competitive at bats. That's the thing, too, you know. And it's not even necessarily that they're striking out all the time either. They're just hitting a lot of ground balls and weak contact. Yeah, and like going back to like Odor as the cleanup hitter, like it sucks. But also, I kind of get it because Aaron Boone's just throwing shit at the wall and just trying to see what sticks. Because, <laughs> I mean, nothing else seems to be working. So he's just configuring it or confluctuating it. I don't think that's a word, but it's a word now. He's just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But if we were in a better position, I don't think we're living in a world where Rune Odor is hitting cleanup no matter how well he's hitting. It's just right now, I don't think Aaron Boone knows who to put any there besides like the top three of DJ Stanton Judge, who Stanton has now been kind of taken over in the two spot. I mean, besides after those three, I feel like he just doesn't know what to do because nothing seems to be working, at least consistently. It feels like the better strategy would probably not be to count on the guy hitting cleanup who has, like I think, a WRC plus of 70 in the past few years. So maybe that's not who you want to try. Maybe do a Gio or Shella thing, since at least he's been good at some point recently. But I, I don't like veering too much into batting order construction, but Get a good cleanup hitter. That's That shouldn't be too much to ask. <laughs> but somebody needs to step up to the plate. <laughs> yeah. Quite well, literally. Kyle Higashioka, apparently. <laughs> hey, hey, it might work. He's he's all about them launch angles now, so. <laughs> yeah, make, make Kyle Higashioka the cleanup hitter. <laughs> that would be a 2013 lineup. You know, they should have done that yesterday. Yeah, missed opportunity. Damn it. But I guess in a related note, I I briefly mentioned him, but Gary Sanders's at-bats in the past week and a half have just been terrible. And it's really frustrating because we had talked up how he got off to a pretty good start. And it wasn't just that first series. It was the first few series. He'd been making good contact and good power. But ever since then, it's just been same old Gary. And it's, it's difficult to watch because you know that at some point they might end up having to turn to Kyle Higashioka just because they can't afford to see Gary keep sinking into like a 150 average or anything like that. Yeah, just like hoping he runs into one is not really going to cut it anymore, especially like right now with Higashioka playing well, like you could make the argument that maybe he should start seeing a little bit more playing time, you know, not just when he's catching Cole, but at the same time, you're probably running the risk of overexposing Higashioka, who I mean, hey, if he proves me wrong, great. But at the same time, I don't think he's somebody you want in your lineup three or four times in the week. But I mean, right now, it's just hard to argue with maybe it might be worth a shot just to see. Like, I don't think he should be the starting catcher over Gary Sanchez by any means right now. But maybe just give him a little bit more playing time. Maybe you can use that to slide Gary over to DH or or just give him a day off or whatever it is. Yeah, Andres had a good article about this the other day saying that 
Higashioka, maybe you play him two or three times a week. So while you're not like totally giving up on Gary yet, you're at least giving him uh, some number of starts in a time when they need a little bit more reliability. And I don't think either of us are saying that they need to give up on Gary Sanchez as a catcher in April. I think he's got a little bit more time to prove that. But you do have to consider the possibility just looking ahead that if his numbers are still sucking after another month or month and a half, then at some point you got to throw in the flag. I don't know. Yeah, and it's really tough to kind of come to terms with. But like you said, it is still April. There are still, what, like 141 games left, quite literally. So, yeah, at some point, they really have to kind of figure out what they're going to be doing uh, with this situation. Like, you know, we could keep talking about how it's still early in the season. It's still April, but we've been saying this every week now for this, since the season began. So it, it, there's got to be some consideration taken for that. Exactly. It's something that we'll have to track that the vaunted offense has to has to show up. Otherwise, they're going to have to make a change of some kind. And it's, it's difficult because the changes are not very obvious. A lot of these people are just locked in. And if you're getting rid of one of them, then it's going to be a major change. If you decide that Clint Frazier is hitting so badly that you need him to go back to the alternate site for a little bit to polish up, that's not going to be taken very lightly. And it sucks, but it's something that might have to be considered at some point if this is still going on in May. Yeah, and Clint Frazier, actually, I think it was yesterday, so we're recording this on Tuesday, right? So Monday, Clint Frazier and Aaron Boone kind of spoke about his playing time and just like how he's been doing and, you know, kind of reducing the playing time. And, you know, we've talked about this, like, we talked about this when we were podcasting over the offseason and kind of the beginning, how like, you know, I want to see them let him play out, let him play through a slump just to see how he reacts. But at this point, you can't keep throwing him out there every single day because, you know, he does look just lost. And he did have a positive attitude when he was asked about it. He was just like basically saying that his reduced playing time has been justified. I mean, he's kind of brought it upon himself. So I did like that, that he's not, you know, kind of taking it personally or anything. He just kind of understands like, hey, I got to be better. Yeah. At some point, he's got to hit. And at some point, Glaber Torres has got a hit, too, because, you know, his 2020 wasn't bad, but it was a huge step down from his 2019. And it didn't really have a lot of power. And he is not showing any power this year either. So Glaber's got to turn it around on offense because it sure as hell not coming on defense, really. Yeah, I guess that uh, the juice ball might have helped with his, what, 40 yeah. home runs or whatever he hit that year. <laughs> he, he hasn't homered yet this year, and he also only has two doubles, which is <laughs> just not great. Just He's being a singles hitter at shortstop while not providing like the shortstop defense that you would expect from a, a uh, shortstop singles hitter. Yeah, it's it's... It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Hitting 62 home runs over 2018 and 19 to three between last year and this year so far. Again, last year, obviously shortened season, only 60 games. This year, we're 20 games into the season. But you would think he'd have more than three combined for the last two years and more than zero this year. Yeah. And another guy whose power is sort of dissipated, DJ LeMahieu, he's been hitting just a ton of grounders. And his, his overall numbers aren't bad right now, but the problem is that it's almost entirely powered by singles. And that's more the guy who was in Colorado than the guy that we've seen over the Yankees in the last two years. And he's got to step it up in this past week. He's four for 24, which, you know, on the surface might not sound like that bad. It doesn't sound, doesn't sound great for sure, but it's four for 24 with just singles. So there's again, there's a different ball that might have an impact on it too, but he's just hitting so many grounders and hit. He's hitting into a lot of more double plays than we'd expect too. Yeah. And you know, 
I feel like there's eventually, if he doesn't pick this up soon, there's going to be some sort of annoying narrative about, oh, he got his payday. Now he sucks again. Or where he was just stepping up because it was a contract and all that crap. But so it'd be nice if he just kind of turned it around starting tonight and we just don't have to get to that narrative. But I feel like at some point it's going to come. But I don't think it's obviously as simple as that, as much as, you know, some people may like to make it out to be. Again, it'd be easy if it was just one person who was just struggling, like there was just one black hole in the lineup, but they're collectively as a team struggling. And there's just got to be something that they need to figure out, whatever it is. Each one of those guys needs to kind of figure it out. Because, yeah, like singles, sure, like every once in a while, singles find, you know, in the right opportunity, just get on base and figure it out. But if all you're doing is providing singles, then you're not really doing much, and especially four for 24, four singles. Woo! Yeah, that's... Congrats. There was an attempt. That's not exciting. (laughs) Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, we just are recording at the wrong time and the Yankees will win the next three games in a row in Baltimore and we'll be able to sort of write off this this little two-game stretch as a little blip. But unfortunately, right now, the way we have to view it is that those three wins in Cleveland were the blip. Because as we saw last week when we recorded, they were playing pretty badly then. They played pretty badly against the Braves in two games after we recorded before going to Cleveland. They probably should have lost both of those games, let's be honest. Yeah, oh my God. That first game, they won because the Braves basically just gave the game to them. Yeah, didn't they have the bases loaded and then scored on like a wild wild pitch and like uh, like an error or something? Yeah, wild pitch and a walk or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, congrats. You, you did it. <laughs> Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> the ultimate red balloon. <laughs> In a 162 game season, there are going to be games like that where neither offense is doing anything. So anytime you come out with a win in those games, great. That means your bullpen did its job, but you can't really be counting on that, especially when the offense is this lifeless. Ugh. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have we talked enough about the offense? We may have talked enough about the offense. No, I think we should go on for another 47 minutes. Okay, well, let's see. The offense is bad. (laughs) Did DJ LeMay get space jammed? That's our next topic. (laughs) He might have. Somebody get DJ's secret stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe get Mike Trump's Mike's secret stuff. Michael's secret stuff. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Perfect. We'll start a campaign for Mike Trout to be in the new Space Jam, and it will be boring, except some weather talk. It's just Space Jam, except instead of the Army to play a basketball game, he just doesn't correctly predict the weather for the next week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, ending our frustrations a little bit on the Yankees, we'll uh, take an ad break, and uh, we'll be back in a second. And we're back. Speaking of the Angels, though, so I'm assuming we're going to talk about the very serious topic of Aaron Judge and the Angels, because, you know, that was a real thing that we need to spend a lot of time on. Uh, yeah, that was that seemed basically like Buster only found a fun line and was like, hey, I'm going to run this. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, probably the conversation was something along the lines of like the Angels calling up Cashman and be like, hey, um, what's that, that tall guy you, you guys have? Judge? Yeah, Judge. Okay, then we just wanted to know his name. And then that just turned into the Yankees and Angels discussed Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where a lot of things would have to go wrong for the Yankees to trade Aaron Judge. Even just from a pure marketability standpoint, this is the most famous Yankee right now. It would not be a small thing to just trade him for... I mean, there might be a world where you could look at it from a pure baseball standpoint and think about, okay, there might be a return that would make sense for Aaron Judge, but we're not at that point yet. And there's no reason that the Yankees would have done this in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, any conversation about Judge, at least with the Angels, like you have to think about like an Otani or a Trout or whatever, right? 
And if they even wanted Judge and like that was the asking price, it just wouldn't make sense because why would you trade away Mike Trout when you're trying to basically get better players to win with Mike Trout? And so I don't think this was actually anything at all. And also on that note, I'm just very happy that Shohei Otani's not on the Yankees. Oh yeah, Shohei Otani on the Yankees. It's it's better when he's far away because it allows us to enjoy and watch him from a distance without like losing our minds about like why aren't the Yankees using him in this way? Why aren't the Yankees doing yeah. this? So yeah, he's just fun and it's fun to watch. We can just watch him when he pitches every now and then, however inconsistent that schedule might be, and watch him sock some monster dingers. Yeah, it's great. I think he already has like seven homers this year, which is... Yesterday's game, he started, and he was like the first pitcher since Babe Ruth, so in like 100 years, to start a game while also leading the majors in home runs. So I think he might be good. I think he might be onto something there. You heard it here first. Shohei Otani, possibly good. Yeah, yeah. I saw one weird stat, was it? Uh, Oh, yeah. Right now, um, here is an indictment of the Yankees' offense. Right now, uh, Albert Pujols is out-homering everyone except for Giancarlo Stan. <laughs> Just to remind everyone, it is not 2013, even though it may seem like it. It's actually 2021. Yeah. 41-year-old Just... Albert Pujols, who, by the way, has stolen a base this year. I was watching that game. I'm like, what did I just see? Oh, yeah. That... <laughs> it was like a double steal or whatever, right? Yeah, but he, he was on the front half. He just stole no, third. No, it was, yeah, it was, just, it was it just, what? I, I don't know. The Good pitcher you, fell Albert asleep. Pujols. Yeah. <laughs> if this is your last year, you're going out with the bang, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, enough Angels talk. And uh, <laughs> uh, one thing we should talk about, just because we had kicked around this idea beforehand, Debbie Garcia, he had come up to start uh, Monday night's game against the Orioles. And, you know, he was fine. Nothing spectacular on most games where the Yankees offense does not resembling 2013 or whatever. He probably would have won or at least been competitive. But they understandably sent him back down to the alternate site to get a fresh arm in there since he's sort of a sixth starter right now and they they brought up michael king who was sent down a while back just in another situation where they wanted a fresh arm but you had an idea about like maybe they should probably keep one of these guys around rather than putting them on the shuttle all the time yeah i mean just because like obviously with the starting rotation anyone not named garrett cole you're not getting anything more than like five innings on a consistent basis you're actually happy if you're getting five innings so as much as like see what they're doing with debbie garcia michael king and you know just basically kind of using them for multiple innings and then sending them down. I feel like oh, they should figure out a way to keep one or both of them on the roster just because the bullpen, like, they're, they're pitching so much right now. And it's just crazy. Like, you know, nobody's getting even into the fifth inning. Like Debbie Garcia, he threw four innings yesterday. That's great. He probably could have gone another inning or two, but, you know, you don't want to risk having him face the lineup a third time. He took a tough luck loss, but they just got to figure out something. I know he, even if he stayed on, he wouldn't be able to you be used for a few days, but you'd rather keep him on instead of having to wait 10 days. Cause as soon as you use Michael King, he's going to go down for 10 days too. And it's just, all right, what are we doing here? Yeah. And they could even do this with Michael King too, since he's looked good in both of his um, relief appearances that were also like long relief outings. So rather than, you know, quickly demote King as they have each of the past couple times, they could just keep him around as another long man, maybe even just in Nick Nelson's role. They demoted Nick Nelson to make room for Debbie Garcia on Sunday. And Nick Nelson has just looked absolutely terrible in April. <laughs> and that might be what they had to, had hoped that Nick Nelson could provide that he could be in this, for lack of a better term, Michael King role. But because he's looked so bad in it, maybe he'll just stick King there. 
Yeah. I mean, Michael King needs to get to his 100 innings any way, shape, or form. So this might be the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, and at this point, I'd rather see a Michael King coming out of the bullpen than a Nick Nelson. Nick Nelson needs some work at the alternate site in Scranton because he's just all over the place. And obviously, the Yankees never scored again after going up 3 nothing. So even if Nick Nelson had thrown shutout ball on Sunday, they probably would have lost. But when he came in in a one-run game and made it absolutely a tire fire, that did not help things. <laughs> no, not at all. And with Michael King or whatever, like, yeah, I know it's great that he can come out and throw six perfect innings like he did the, you know, the beginning of the year and whatever, but it might be worth it to just use him for like two or three innings and then that way you could use him again in like three or four days or two days instead of just basically using his arm or using him up as much as you can and then basically being shot for like the next week. <laughs> So I guess we should be just move on to Yankee Meteor of the Week, or do you have anything else we want to talk about? Uh, I think I'm pretty good. I think all right. we covered it all. I, led, I vented as much as I could. <laughs> yeah, um, when the Yankees are playing like this in April, the podcasts are just going to inevitably turn into events. We've provided some thoughts on it, some actual constructive thoughts, but... Uh, There's so much you could say at this yeah. point. <laughs> Play better. Be better. Hit the ball. We've been, <laughs> we've been doing this for three weeks. Hit ball far. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> as they like to say, elevate and celebrate. <laughs> Pretty anyway. much. So we'll move on to the Yankee Indy Mitre of the Week. Yay. All right. Who is your Yankee of the Week? So my Yankee of the Week, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Well, not necessarily cheat. I have a Yankee of the Week, but I also have an honorable mention I want to go through. So let me, I'm going to do both of those at once and then I'll let you get your Yankee of the Week in and hopefully I don't steal anything from you. Okay. But I've also made a challenge for myself that until the Yankees start playing well collectively and are actually winning games and being the Yankees that we thought they were, I'm not going to pick Garrett Cole as my Yankee of the week because it's just too easy. So I'm challenging myself. So for that reason, my Yankee of the week is Jonathan Loisiga. That's a good pick. I like that. Yeah, honestly, little expectations for him coming into the season. Uh, but I've just—he's just been Jonathan Johnny Lasagna to me. But I've actually—I actually said his name properly, and that's because he's earned it. He's earned me saying his name um, since we last recorded on the nineteenth. He has three games um, and only allowed one hit in 3.1 innings. He came in for the four-out save against Cleveland uh, in the Garrett Cole-Shane Bieber matchup. I did not expect Loisiga to be able to come up for a four-out save, and I was scared. But this whole season, he's been good so far. He's been very, very good, which most of the bullpen has been. But, you know, just because of the sheer shock value of how good he's been, he's my Yankee of the week. Yeah, Peter had a good article recently about just how Loisga has stepped it up in April, and that's been big because it adds just another middle relief weapon. We've seen over the past few years guys like Tommy Canley, how valuable that guy can be out of the bullpen. And if Loisga wants to do this over the course of a full season, be my guess. And it's one of those situations where he might be finding his best role because I don't know that he has enough tools in his arsenal to be to, to make it as a starting pitcher, but as a relief weapon, I think he could. Yeah, and you know we've talked about this since he first came up in 2018, where there's obviously besides the tools, there's also like durability concerns. Like he does have like a pretty bad injury history and all that. So yeah, he might be. We we've kind of always expected him to eventually make his way into the bullpen. Yeah, it was great like the first couple of years when he was able to give like a few starts for the Yankees and kind of just make a few spot starts um, and all that. So that was cool. But outside of that, I think, you know, he's kind of found his home. And like right now he's rocking an ERA plus of 295. It's nothing like Jacob deGrom's ERA that's over an ERA plus that's over like a thousand. But, you know, it's still pretty good. Yeah. 
And it's it's one of the situations sort of like a Chad Green where, yeah, maybe he could have cut it as like a mediocre starter for a little bit, but it's much more useful for the Yankees to throw him in this situation unless something seriously changes. But yeah, Johnny Lasagna, good pick in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. I have a little ditty queued up for my honorable mention, so I hope you can hear this, but I'm just going to do this real quick. Small sample size, small sample sample size, small sample size, small sample size. All right. So the small sample size warning, if you heard that, I hope you did. Caveat, I'm throwing that out here. But whoever decided to let uh, Giancarlo Stanton bat second in the lineup, I know batting order and all that is a little overrated. But I feel like this is a really good spot for him just because he has like Aaron Judge protecting him. So Aaron Judge heading behind him, he's going to see, be seeing a little bit more strikes and just being able to see more balls that he can just destroy. And uh, in the four games that he's hit in the two spot since Aaron Boone's kind of made that decision, he's has five hits. Three of them are for extra bases. Two of them are home runs. Um, he's OPSing over a thousand. Again, very, very, very small sample size, but I like it. I think this is a good spot for him, and I just want to see if it continues to play out well. Yeah, it's it's looked good for him in the limited bit we've seen so far, but it makes a lot of sense to put him in that situation. And so far, it's worked. Uh, hopefully, the bat can keep picking it up. Obviously, his is one of many to not really do a lot on um, Monday night against Baltimore, but those homers over the weekend were a lot of fun. Yeah, he still had a pretty good, I think, I think he had a double yesterday and, you know, a walk. So, you know, nothing great, but it's still something worth noting. And he has raised his season batting average from 158 to 192. So he's approach, approaching that 200 mark. Oh, hey, hell yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah! All right, I'll go ahead and do my Yankee of the Week. My Yankee of the Week is Gio Urshela. He's been one of the few bats that's actually been going pretty well of late in the past week. He has hit 300, 364, 650 with a pair of homers. And one of the few people coming up right now who I feel pretty good in. And right now, I will take that. Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to pick the, the number of people who you feel good, good about right now. But Gio Shola has been good. He's been consistent. Like you suggested, hey, maybe he should be batting cleanup instead of Rugnit Odor. So, he, you know, since he's come to the team and taken the starter role, he has been like a nice, you know, happy storyline. But right now he's just one of the few bright spots on a team that includes this much talent. So it's just good to see that at least. Yeah. And I also, I guess I'll also throw out the honorable mention to Kyle Higashioka too, since he had a, another homer. He only made a few starts within the past week, but hey, he did his job during him. So kudos. Hey, you know, that's all you need. You, when you just, all you want from Kyle Higashioka is when he does play to just not look completely lost. And hey, he's been doing that so far this year. So like you said, kudos. <laughs> Clears the Romine bar, we'll say. Yay. He's just a smudge better. Oh, yeah. sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> Roasted. Boom. Right. Who you got for Mitre of the week? I'm going to go with Jamison Tyon and his uh, his hatred for the fourth inning. <laughs> just because it's obviously, you know, we talked about how he just needs to make adjustments probably and, you know, figure out what's going on. But I feel like that's just too big of a difference to just ignore. And I know he's listening to this podcast, so this is going to motivate him to be able to get through that fourth inning cleanly from now on. So this is why I'm just going to go with him and his uh, vendetta against the fourth inning or whatever the is going on there. But figure it out, guy. 
<laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a lot deeper into starts. I did like his first few innings again on on Sunday, but he's got to make it a little bit further. So does Kluber for that matter. We'll see what happens tonight. But yeah, and it was just honestly, I couldn't pick somebody from the offense just because I couldn't figure out who to pick. <laughs> yeah, I think I've sorted it down to one person for my Mitre of the week, and it is unfortunately Gary Santos, just because he's looked so bad in the past week, and he only has the one hit, and been striking out a ton too, so lost Gary Sanchez looks about as bad as any hitter in baseball. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking you were going to go with Nick Nelson. <laughs> no, he's already gone, so I'd just be kicking him while he's down. So. <laughs> I, I, I kind of expected it, but I uh, threw a curveball, so that's fun, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, no, I, Gary, I needed Gary. to pick. I needed to pick someone from the offense because they they can't escape this week unscathed. <laughs> you want to just do what I did last week, all of them? <laughs> yeah, but like you know, Clint Frazier would have been a, a decent pick too. Brett Gardner has only got the one hit, but he also hasn't played as much. DJ yeah. LeMahieu, a lot of weak contact. Anywho, yeah, I say Gary. that the Yankees should do better next week. You know. They were doing one thing during that Cleveland uh, winning streak, the three games there, that I think that they should continue doing, besides the, you know, letting the other team up 3 nothing. There's two strategies. That's the one. The other one, home runs. Do them. They're good. Yeah. And it's almost like they should play to their strengths <laughs> instead of hitting a million ground balls. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's their whole strategy is hit the ball far, and that'll take the team as, as, as well as it could go. So let's just see. Yeah. All right. Gary, do better. Stop stop being bad. (laughs) Well, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Pinstripe Alley podcast. Again, rate and review us on iTunes. Again, check us out on Twitter at Pinstripe Alley. I'm at Mearns PSA. Where are you this week? I'm nowhere. I don't want to talk to any of you right now. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Don't want to talk to the Yankees either. I'm grumpy, so just leave me alone this week. Well, hopefully the Yankees will make things less grumpy over the course of a full week this time. Maybe we should have specified. We got some good moments over the weekend, but we ultimately ended up back here and anyway. So Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there. If they somehow manage to lose this series to the Orioles in Camden Yards, Ugh. it's not going to be pretty this week. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I think when we even talked about this, like, hey, even on this road trip, they're eventually going to make their way to the Orioles and that should look good. Obviously, you know, it's just been one game and they stopped the rest of the series ahead of them. Hopefully they'll come, kind of come back to what we expected of them and we'll have positive things to say next week. Yeah, like they're finishing the series. They have this four-game set that they're in the middle of against the Orioles. And then they're going to play three games against the Tigers at home. So if they don't get it going over the course of this next week, then that's really, really bad. So we're hopeful, but uh, <laughs> prepare for the worst, hope for the best, maybe. I don't know. If they don't get it going, I promise next week I will not mention it's still early in the season once. Yes. <laughs> then it's just bad. By then it will be May. So, yes. yeah. And the Orioles aren't even having their best pitcher pitch in the series anyway. John Means pitched on Sunday. So, if they can't beat the Orioles pitching then, then I don't know what. <laughs> Besides him, no one means business. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> okay. I think that means it's time to end. <laughs> I'm firing myself this week. All right. Bye, everyone. Hopefully the Yankees play better soon.